Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Cool. Okie dokie. Well, um, who's... Uh... We're in a sort of, it, we, we're past, we're into December now, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like it's safe territory. Who has their tree up? Ooh. On this side, we have the, the festive, the festive side and the Scrooges. This is basically. <laughs> Bar humbug. You what? Okay, fine. Um. Anybody ventured into the sort of Christmas category on Netflix yet? Watched a Christmas movie (laughs) since October? Anyone else? No? No? Any Christmas movies? Yeah? Rory's like, hmm? Right. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm going to have a few little Christmas numbers in a minute, but... um, when I was thinking about um, this evening, what I, <coughs> in fact, actually, I wrote, th- I think I've written three different messages, and this is the one I've, I eventually got to. Um, so I've got, <laughs> you know, you saw your brain. Well, you probably maybe don't know. My brain definitely does this. Um, it sort of sort of scatters all over the place, and um, eventually, I'm like, oh yeah, actually, no, I'll, I'll talk about that. And that normally happens around sort of 3 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, and uh, so today, I was thinking about. Um, and the title for uh, the message is, What Are You On Earth For? What Are You On Earth For? And I was thinking about how Christmas movies and stuff, this, as you start to watch those, you sort of get into those sort of sayings or these, those sort of those one-liners and you're like, you're sort of ready for them because they're so famous. And I started to think about other one-liners and things that people were famous for. And uh, I thought we maybe could have a little bit of fun and just see how we do with um, completing a few of these. So, some famous quotes. I don't know, we, we really need a, a whole load of buzzers, don't we? That's what we really need. But anyway, um, <clears throat> we'll just do it by yelling, you know, in a good old-fashioned rock way. Um, so, if you can tell me the person, please. These should be so easy. It should be so easy. Hey, 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 back it up. What are we doing on tech? Okay, we'll just stay there now. Okay, who can give me a phrase from Arnie? I'll be back. Okay, hang fire. Don't, 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 don't. I'll, in fact, what I'll do is I'm going to give you the phrase and then see if you can guess who it is. That might be easier. Then we'll keep. Then, then it'll work easier for tech. I'll, I'll try and say it in a similar kind of way. That's probably not going to work. <clears throat> How you doing? Joey from Friends. Now, there's various different ways I could go on this one. So uh, I'm trying to think of the most, the, the accent that's sort of most like that. Okay. Uh, um, shaken, not stirred. James Bond. Which James Bond? Sean Connery. It's good. <laughs> okay. This one is definitely going to go horribly wrong. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Very good, very good, very good. Excellent. 
And so we know these phrases, these sort of like quotes, these um, script lines and stuff, and we know who said them, right? We sort of, and then when we hear them, we can almost fill in the blanks, can't we? We can sort of, we almost play the movie in our head. We get a bit of a, uh, an idea of what it's all about. And in the, in the sort of mode of Christmas, I thought we could have a little see if we could complete some of these famous ones. So, first one, it's a Home Alone special. Can we complete this line? Keep the change, ya filthy animal. <laughs> Brilliant, absolutely. Indoctrinated my daughter with Home Alone this weekend. Um, super. Um, another great movie, uh, Christmas movie, The Elf which is the best way to spread Christmas cheer is? What is it? Singing loud for all to hear, absolutely. This is a bit of a, this one's a bit of a sort of a, bit, a little bit more left field. So we've got, who likes love actually? It's like one of my favorites, okay, great. Um, so if you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love is actually all around boom that scene hey eh? that scene if you haven't seen love actually who hasn't seen love actually you've not lived you have not lived that scene right there comedy genius everybody every british person at this point wished that hugh grant was actually the prime minister <laughs> like if only we I think actually when Boris was in I kind of thought that was probably the closest we've ever got to probably something happening like that in uh, in number 10 anyway we have Tiny Tim from uh, Christmas Carol who said God bless us everyone absolutely I thought it was each and every one there was a bit of confliction on, on the internet on that anyway um <laughs> Just remember, this is from the Polar Express, and I think it's Father Christmas who says it. Just remember, the true spirit of Christmas lies. You know where it is? Where it lies? It lies. It, oh, no, nobody knows. Okay. In your heart. And debatable, right? This is for the lads, really. Oh, maybe for the girls, but... Um, definitely for the lads is this a Christmas movie <laughs> here we go and I was going to put the quote yippee and then I thought no no we won't we won't do that quote we won't do that quote but it's um but it's an absolute classic when people are interviewed often people will be asked what's the quote or the mantra that you live your life by, won't they? There'll be often something that embodies who they are. And I think, when I think about some quotes, I think some people embody them better than others. Now, these are mostly, if all, are they all? Yeah, all fictitious. Um, but I think things like the Buddy the Elf one, I always think, it, you know, that absolutely summed him up. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. If you've ever seen the Elf, that, like, encapsulates Buddy the Elf pretty well and some people are famous I think their quotes are famous and uh, and they and and they're synonymous with who they are and we sort of they almost represent they almost embody them um, completely in some way I'm, I thought of people like Martin Luther 
which everybody will I have a dream I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged on the color of their skin but by the content of their character absolutely and then you've got other people who do amazing things and somehow what they say reminds you of how of what they did and how important it was or something like that and I thought of Neil Armstrong one small step for man one one giant leap for mankind and we've got a whole bunch of other people Nelson Mandela said the greatest glory in living lies not in failing but in rising every time we fall Mother Teresa said spread love everywhere you go let no one ever come to you without leaving happier what a wonderful thing and so I didn't know that she'd said that but when I heard it I thought that's true of her and I think that's the other thing with you hear mantras or people's sayings or phrases or quotes from people sometimes you may or may not know them but sometimes they either ring true with that person or you think oh, it sort of goes straight past you but some of them really sort of go oh wow yeah that embodies that person that that really is exactly what they were about and it got me thinking about what my mantras you see I actually have a mantra I have a something that I live my life by which I'll talk about in a minute and and I think it's great to have something like that to try and distill and boil sometimes your life down to a mission and a purpose and what's it all about when we when you um, leading an organization or a company or something you often have something like a mission statement or a vision statement or something like that and it's because you've taken the time to try and distill to try and condense down what you want to be about what's your purpose now Jesus it would be hard to maybe think that you could distill him down into a saying or into something but I would say that maybe he did that himself I think maybe he actually gave us his mantra if you like his raison d'etre his reason his purpose and it's quoted in Luke 4 it says he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him unrolling it he found the place where it is written the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down <laughs> eyes of everyone in the synagogue fastened on him and then he began saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing I think this was Jesus's main purpose it's sort of condensed down what he was about that he was there to set people free he was anointed to bring good news to the poor what a great thing and <coughs> I think when 
yeah, I think I, I could be confident to say that life becomes much simpler when you've answered that question. What am I on earth for? Why am I here? In the rock, there's a mantra that says you're born on purpose for a purpose. Why did God make you? Specifically you. Not the grand you. Not the royal we. <laughs> you. Why did God make you? Shall I tell you what mine is? See if this sounds like it would be, uh, <laughs> if this is um, accurate for me or not, but Mine is actually a Bible verse. Now, it doesn't have to be a Bible verse, I don't think at all, but mine just happens to be. Uh, and it's been for a, a long time. And it's Psalm 69, verse 9. And it says, For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. The zeal for your house consumes me. Now, it's not a common word. Obviously, it's not a word we use all the time. But it if you were to look it up, it would be described as great energy or enthusiasm in the pursuit of a cause or an objective. To have great passion, if you like. Fervor could be another word. And so for me, it's this. It's this idea of being consumed for God's house, for the church, if you like. For, at that time, it would have been the temple. But for us now, for the church to to be consumed by zeal to see the church grow and expand, to plant churches, to see them grow, and that sort of thing. And when I think of that, and I think of other people who had zeal, I think of people like David. David wrote this psalm, obviously. <laughs> so it <was, laughs> stands to reason that he thought that because he wrote it about himself primarily. But anyway, he had zeal for the house. I think about Mary Madeline, who poured out her worship she broke that alabaster jar and she poured out this anointing perfume on Jesus she was absolutely fervent passionate in worship she had a zeal if you like for worship I think of Elijah who was um, confronted the prophets of Baal if you know that story he sort of tested these uh, false prophets of the this false god uh, called this false god called Baal try and get one word out at uh, time anyway and um and he said you know basically your god's a load of made up pants and i'll prove it because what we're going to do is we're going to set up two altars well i'll have an altar you'll have an altar and we'll call down fire from you can call down fire from your fake god i'll call down fire from my real god and let's see who gets this party started first and um basically the 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 end of it was they threw uh, they were going absolutely ballistic, cutting themselves, doing funny dances, all the prophets of Baal. Nothing was happening, just that tumbleweed effect. And uh, over on team uh, Elijah, the, he's like, you know, throw water on it. He's just mocking them. Throw water on it, throw some more on it. And then he's like, no, you're not trying hard enough to the other guys, just winding them up. And then five minutes later, it's barbecue-tastic. They've got cooked stuff going on over here. And it's... Um, fire from heaven has just gone so he had zeal zeal for God's power God, zeal for, for God to be manifest and known through his power I think of people like Mary there's so many Marys isn't there you do get a bit confused this one um, not mother of Jesus this one sister of Martha and 
Lazarus. Um, could be wrong on the Lazarus thing. No, I'm right on the Lazarus thing. Am I? Yep, good. The people who know the Bibles, give me a nod. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, sister of Martha and Lazarus, she sat at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said to her, if you remember the story that Martha was busy, you know, doing the housework and then told her off saying, you know, you should be helping me out and you're just sitting there, you know, do something. And, um, and Jesus like, she's chosen the better thing. She had a, a passion, a zeal for knowing God. She wanted to know him more. It wasn't enough just to have us to know him at a surface level. She wanted to understand. I think of people like Job who had... <laughs> amazing patience and it, a, a, a zeal which I guess is different in the sense that it wasn't necessarily that um, overt celebratory sort of zeal you might see but his was a zeal in difficulty wasn't it his was a zeal whilst he was going through deep emotional and physical struggle and what I like about his zeal is instead of it turning him bitter, it made him yearn for a better understanding and to get resolution with God. He never turned his back on God. Zeal made him only seek God and seek answers. Ruth, she was incredibly passionate and loyal. She uh, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, um, found themselves in a place where it wasn't any good anymore, and so they had to travel. And um, before that, Naomi was like, look, you just need to get on and do your own thing. And she was like, no, no, I'm going wherever you're going. I'm sticking with you. She was deeply loyal. And she had a, I would say, uh, that a perseverance and a loyalty and a commitment that's rare. And that was, I think, a zeal in that, a passion in that. There was something that made it, drove her as part of her reason to be, was that she saw that as, as, as part of who she was, loyalty being important. John the Baptist, fiery preacher in the New Testament, doing weird things like eating locusts and wearing odd clothing and uh, calling people to repentance. Um, he was a man who was, again, zealous for the things of God and had a fiery passion. And so that's... Some of the things that to me matters. I love having a passion for the church. I love having a zeal for the church. The second part of this verse actually is something I never thought about for years. But it's something which I find is just part of the way God's made me. This thing it talks about, um, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. This second part of this, that, that, that what insults God I feel things that are ins insults against the church or against the kingdom of God, I tend to feel those quite passionately myself. And I take up the cause for that. <laughs> if you get in a conversation with me about certain subject matters, theological questions, or just things that are going on, often I'll be like, that's not on, that's not happening, right. <laughs> because this falls on me and I feel it in in a passionate way and I was never too sure about that I often used to think mm, you know because often people would tell me to pipe down shut up you know nobody cares what you think which is <laughs> partly true probably but but also that you know it's not your place or it's nobody's place to say anything if somebody thinks you know Jesus was maybe half man half chicken that's, that's fine that's up to them 
and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> that, that's, that's great theology. Um, maybe we should use the Bible and, 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 dis, and, and decide if that's actually right. Um, <clears throat> that I've often felt has been a really important thing. And it was only when, um, and this is a confession actually, and this is actually probably a side, uh, a slight side tangent, but the reason I never thought about this is because the zeal for your house and the thing that really got in, in, in my heart um, when I was younger was actually where it's quoted uh, in John's gospel, because that same verse is quoted. And the whole verse isn't quoted. It just says, the zeal for your house will consume me. And so that was the bit I picked up and thought, that somehow resonates with me. And I was silly enough never to actually look at what the actual original quote was and a bit more around it. So a bit of a lesson in that, because I would have probably understood part of my other calling if I had. And I really feel that this is another part of who I am, that it is to somehow, in some way, protect the kingdom, to push back on bad theology, to, to stand guard, if you like, on some of those issues. And interestingly, the only other place that this verse is quoted in the Bible is in John 2, and it's, uh, it says this, John 2, 14 to 17. In the temple courts, he found people, this is Jesus, selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others sitting at uh, tables exchanging money. So, I love this bit, this is brilliant. So, he made a whip out of cords and drove them out of the temple courts. Both the sheep and the cattle he scattered, the money coin, uh, the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And then it says, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. <clears throat> so Jesus, and this is, you, you, you probably hear me in conversation talk about this passage more than anything, because I just love the fact that like Jesus actually went and prepared a weapon. I think it's like one of my favorite bits in the Bible. <laughs> it's like he was so miffed. He was like, he turned up, you can see him turns up to temple, and he's like, uh-huh, yep, I see it, and I am seriously unhappy. And not only am I, I'm not just going to, like, have a gentle word, not even, I, to, quote, to quote our first character, Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. <laughs> and off he, went, off he went to prepare a weapon, and then came back. Can you imagine? Somebody running in with a whip. Actually, yeah, I mean, in our head, we sort of go, yeah, say so prayer to whip and everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that would have been a bit of a scene, wouldn't it? That wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been politically correct, I think it's probably safe to say. If you think of the political powers at play, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the things that were going on in the temple, the people who held power, what Jesus did there would have been seriously unpolitically correct I think most if he'd sort of shared his thoughts and ideas with anyone first they'd have said well you're probably best you know to maybe um, arrange a meeting see if you can gather a few people and sort of explain how you feel see if you know you get a bit of some, some people sort of agree with you maybe send an email or two I don't know um, <coughs> not Jesus no, he just went absolutely tooth and nail for a whip and a, and a, and a good crack at it as well. Pardon the pun. And, um, and I kind of feel like that is something that, again, I feel 
not cortigo hitting people with whips. That would be odd. But um, but I do feel like I'm called to 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 make a stand on stuff because things that you love. So the zeal for your house, things that you love. So I love the church. I love because that means I love you people. When things matter to you and you love them, the flip side of that is you also protect them, right? And it comes to whether it's people or uh, ventures or um, what do we say about um, zeal at the start? Causes. You know, even if you're somebody, so somebody's to bad mouth somebody or say something untrue. If it's something you care about, you 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 rightly want to bring correction. If I was to bad mouth Notting, Knots, the Reds. Yeah, there we go. Just <laughs> people. I mean, Kate would be. It would be. Abs- I'd be. I would be. I'd be running. It would be the. It would be a whole case of whips, and it would be chairs flying. You know, just passion zealous for if you were to say something about somebody somebody cares about if I was to say something not nice about Sharice Rory would probably get up and crap me one <laughs> but you know you protect the things that matter don't you you protect the things that you love and that's why Jesus protected his father's house because he was protecting the people there from people who were taking advantage from people who were trying to say that you need to do these different things before you I can give you the context but that's for another time but essentially they're trying to con people into how they could worship trying to extort people when it came to them worshipping his father and so that's why he got rather annoyed (coughs) so that's me that's how that's what I feel I feel this verse and as I say it doesn't have to be a verse it just so happens to be a verse but it it gives me a, what am I on earth for? Why am I here? What does God have for me to do? And it sort of allows me to decide the things I will do and won't do because I can sort of put them within that framework often. And so my question is, what is it that God's calling you to do? What are you on earth for? One of the uh, things I really enjoy is, um, for whatever reason, well, I, actually, it's, it's a very obvious reason, but um, I like to go and sit in a coffee shop and just ask God to give me somebody to talk to and tell about Jesus. And invariably, that happens then every time I sit in a coffee shop and ask him, as you can imagine. And so um, this week I was chatting to a guy and hopefully he'll come to church. He's, we sort of made friends on Instagram and swapped some stories and we ended up talking for about two hours and I really needed to prepare a message which then meant I had to prepare it like this afternoon. But anyway, the, um, the conversation was, I was, I was just talking because he he's, he's an athe- uh, or agnostic or whatever, but he didn't believe in Jesus for sure. And, um, and I was just talking about it and, and, and what I got to was the, where I normally try and get a conversation. And that is to the point where I say the, the, a similar sort of uh, idea to this, but um, in more words. But 
what I find fascinating is that there's so many people who are intelligent, who um, clearly you know can get through the normal stuff of life, but know that they're going to die because they're not daft. It's the only guarantee. And yet they won't spend one day, let alone a week or more, just giving that thought as to what that means and what will happen after. To allow themselves the space to just answer that question and not come to the conclusion I have, that's not my point, but to at least have the bravery to ask the question and sit with it and dig around a bit from there. And so we got to that point and asked this question and and it meant that he started talking we started talking more about Jesus and, and blah blah blah. But <coughs> I guess I'm going to ask us the same question. Is it worth you giving the time? There's no you've already squared most of us I think the Jesus question. So the next question is okay so I've been created on purpose for a purpose what am I on earth for? What am I on earth for? I've got the grand, the grand narrative is to see his kingdom expand, to see people come to heaven, to see the family of heaven grow through the great permission and telling people the good news. But what's, what's your job? What's your role? How do you fit? Because you have one. You have a reason and a purpose and it might not be the sort of Elon Musk you know design an entire new car a new way of doing space flight trying to sort out life on Mars etc etc but it wouldn't be any less important because it is vital for God's plans and purposes that you do the things that you're called to do and this is the other part of that it's vital for you as well because when you're doing and about the things that you're purposed for is when you feel most alive. For me, when I'm about my zeal for the house, when I'm about building church, when I'm about seeing the church grow, when I'm about defending the church, that's when I am most alive. It's when I know what I'm on earth for. And so um, my encouragement is to maybe if you haven't answered that question, if you haven't got a statement of what your life's about, and it doesn't have to be fixed forever, you know, don't get mad about it. It, You know, it could change. Seasons for everything. But to ask God and to really work that out. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has a job for us. He has a purpose for us. He has something where we can have meaning in our lives. What is it that God has given you a zeal for? What gets under your skin? Pay attention to the irritation is what I would say sometimes as well. What knocks you sometimes? What can sometimes hack you off and you think, ah, that needs solving? Do you know what? And you think, oh, nobody else seems to see this. Why does nobody else see it? because of the way God's made you. God's made you to see it. God's made you to take notice of those things and fix them. What's the mantra for your life? What are you on earth for? There was a, uh, a lady in the Bible called Esther. 
and she was the most beautiful woman in the world at the time, <clears throat> or something like that. And um, and there's this famous story of how she is to to um, she's one of the king's um, concubines, I assume. Yeah. Um, and um, so she's going to be one of the uh, the king's ladies, and um, her um, suddenly purpose is presented to her. Suddenly, her present her purpose becomes clear when she has the ability to save her people. And there's this famous line which gets quoted a lot. It's in Esther 4.14. It says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Whether you do or don't do what you're called to do won't change God's plans for the world. He will, he's, his plans will still be fulfilled. But we have an opportunity to take part. We have an opportunity to take part, and perhaps you're born for such a time. I would say, not perhaps, you are born for such a time. And so it may be to be a person who's about worship or fighting justice or maybe you've got a passion for fostering or I don't know um, alleviating poverty or financing the kingdom or uh, uh, translating the bible into some random language that I don't even know you know getting involved with the Wycliffe guys or I don't know who knows maybe it's to be involved in healthcare maybe it's to be involved whatever you have a purpose I could close and, and, and wrap things up with some good solid Bible quotes but I thought I'd finish with a few Christmas ones how about that things that the Bible doesn't say but um, actually isn't too bad so <laughs> instead of um, quoting from the Bible we're going to quote from Jingle Jangle a Christmas story and it says are you ready? absolutely priceless this you haven't written anything else down make sure you write this one down everything else is in your Bible anyway so you've got that never be afraid when people can't see what you see only be afraid if you no longer see it. I think sometimes one of the scariest things is as we get older, the things and the passions that we used to hold, we start to lose sight of, and we can just be, we can just get on with getting on. The mundane, you know, just getting a job, just paying the mortgage, paying the rent, doing whatever. It's so easy, and I know it is because it's my, it happens to me all the time. I just get caught up in the mundane but when you grab hold of the things that God has given you sometimes other people will not see it or understand it in fact I would say a lot of the time people will not see it or understand it my folks are constantly like why do you want to be a church pastor why do you want to lead a church it's like it's a horrific job <laughs> the pastors laugh and I'm like, well, and I haven't really got much of a defense for it apart from I, I can't do anything else. That's all I can say because that is actually the only thing that's true. There's nothing else I can do. It's what I've been made to do. And the thing is that people won't always understand what it is that God's put on your heart. I would say that if you surround yourself with good counselors, the Bible says that wisdom's found in a multitude of counsel. So if you've got good people around you who love you, care for you, want the best for you, and are going to pray with you, then they'll give you some confirmation. So it shouldn't be completely, you know, mad and nobody understands. But some of the time it might not be understood. 
You know, there's plenty of times when people could see things and others couldn't understand them. You know, when Jesus is saying, hey, guys, has anyone got any supper? We've got to feed all these thousands of people. And, you know, he gets a couple of loaves and some fish. And then he says to the disciples, all right, guys, can you just dish this out? There's like four or 5,000 people there. Can you imagine what they're thinking? I'd be like, mate, you dish it out. We're going to look like a right bunch of plums. I've got like, I've got like quarter of a loaf of bread and a quarter of a fish here. What's that going to do? But he could see something that they couldn't, right? He could see something that they couldn't see. And the Bible's full of those. You've got people like Noah building a massive big boat in the middle of a sort of arid country, desert, nowhere near any water. You know, you call and go, what on earth? I mean, everyone must have been like, this guy is absolutely off his rocker. The local kids were going, let's go see crazy Noah. Let's go throw stones at him. You know, it would have been that type of thing, wouldn't it? Because the guy was just like absolute, you know. But he could see something that other people couldn't see because God had put something on his heart. You've got people like Joshua walking around. You know, can you imagine that? You've got an army, an entire army. Right, we're going to take the land. We're going to take this city, Jericho. It's well fortified. They're like, right, come in, huddle up, huddle up, generals, get in. I'm not very good on my military lingo. Huddle up, generals. I've got a plan. And they're all like, okay, right, we're going to, you know, I don't know what the medieval warfare they had back then. Catapults, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we're not at that point. But basically, some form of serious aggro is what I'd be thinking. You know, let's get the biggest, hardest people and let's welly them. Whatever we're going to do, smash the walls in. David's idea, we're going to walk around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what we're going to do then? We're going to walk around it all and circle it all. And then we're going to blast on a trumpet and give a bit of a sing song. You <laughs> mean like, anyone, anyone else? Any other, any other ideas? Should we make this a bit of a team, team effort? Anyone else got some thoughts on military tactics? But he could see something they couldn't, right? He could see something that they couldn't. And you've got the same thing with people like Ezekiel. If you ever want to laugh, read a bit of the start of Ezekiel. That always makes me chuckle. <clears throat> Shall I read a bit just so you can have a laugh with me? This is some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ezekiel 4.12. Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread. Bake it in sight of all the people. <laughs> you listening? In sight of all the people using human excrement for fuel <laughs> the Lord said in this way the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them so he's like it's sort of like prophesying and foretelling them what's going on and he's sort of enacting it himself Ezekiel's got the job of basically going and acting out the punishment that's coming to which Ezekiel says um, not so sovereign Lord you're thinking yeah well fair making food over cooked poo is probably you know, cooking poo is not, not a great thing anyway uh, I've never defiled myself from my youth until now I've never eaten anything found dead or torn by one I was no impure meat has ever entered my mouth God's like okay you've got a good point so he says very well he said I will let you no not 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 scrap the idea that was a bit crazy no 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 we're just going to change the fuel source here very well he said I'll let you bake your bread over cow dung instead <sighs> Bonza, brilliant. Now, nobody in their right mind would understand that, would they? He had to have the vision. He had to know what God had said and be able to go with it. And if you carry on reading the rest of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 5's got some also got some brilliant bits about him chopping off his hair and his beard and burning a third of it in the city and then scattering it around. Anyway, all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> so my question is, what is it that God has put on your heart? And then the second thing would be when. 
Claire spoke a few weeks back and she said, if not now, when? When to make that time to think about what are you on earth for? To think of the things that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Because we can get so caught up in our own stuff, can't we? I know I can. Just getting through the day, just getting through the week, just moaning about the stuff that's not going right. And sometimes the stuff that he's really placed on my heart, the things that really matter, can start to rattle down the priority list and I don't give it time. When? Walt Disney said, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. I think of the disciples when Jesus went up to heaven. Acts 1.11. <laughs> it's a brilliant. I, just, I like to envisage these things. They're all like, and you can see them just stood there like for a while thinking. Because they don't know. We know the rest of the story. They're like, they may think, is he coming back down? Is he just sort of popped up? Is he coming back? And who knows? And then an angel appears and says, Men of Galilee, why are you standing around looking into heaven? What are you doing? Get on with it. Get on with it. What are you on earth for? worth spending some time with Jesus asking, answering that question. And if you know, brilliant, I'd love to pray with you afterwards. I'm sure some of the rest of the guys and ask God how you to work that out. And if you don't know, if you've never really distilled it down to something that you can just write down, writing's powerful, be able to write it in a paragraph or something, or in a sentence, then I'd encourage you to ask God, for what is it? What am I on earth for? How can you use me? Here I am. Send me. And so we're going to have a time of worship. We're going to praise Jesus. That's always fun. And um, what I think would be, would be great is to, maybe if you want to come forward for prayer afterwards, we can, if you don't know, we pray with you that God would talk to you. Maybe if you do know, we pray that God reinforces. Maybe... There might be some prophetic and people will be able to speak over you. <clears throat> but over this, over today, over this week and over this, maybe the end of this year, to have that solidified. So as we go into next year, you start it with purpose. Why don't we stand to our feet? Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in and amongst us. Lord, we thank you that we have a purpose here on earth. We, Lord, we thank you that you're good and that when we are in your plans and purposes, we know that you're with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. You're not going to leave us on our own to try and figure it out. Lord, I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would give them a great understanding of the things you've called them to. Give them a passion and a zeal for you and a zeal for the things that you've called them to. Lord, we call up people of prayer, people who are going to lead us in worship, people who are going to push back against injustice, people who are going to um, find ways to solve poverty, 
People are going to foster and create and bring the lonely into family. People are going to see and have a ministry in restoring relationships and marriages. Thank you, Lord.